Okay, here we are in part three. We're working through our series, Heroes of the Faith, marching through the book of Acts. And as we are going through the book, we are being introduced to various heroes of the faith. Sometimes these heroes are individuals. Sometimes they're groups of people that, that God raises up. And what we see throughout this book is the Lord takes ordinary people, just like you and me, and he raises them up and uses them in extraordinary ways. And this is what God has done throughout all of history, and he's doing it today. And uh, our theme verse is really Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Luke, who is writing this book, says, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say they, he says you, speaking about them then, but also you today, to be his witness, his hero of the faith. And this morning, we're going to focus in on these early believers and the context is in their homes. And we're going to discover a trait of heroic faith, faith that was modeled by them. And we're going to discover that this is what God is calling us to do 2,000 years later to emulate this same trait. And many of you in this room are already demonstrating this faith, and you're a, this trait, and you're a hero of the faith. And what we're going to talk about this morning is greatly needed in the church today. For the church to be healthy and growing and vibrant, uh, this trait needs to be within it. So let me give you the context. Acts chapter 2, where we studied this last Sunday, there's this profound moment that occurred. And on the day of Pentecost, the church of Jesus Christ is born. For the first time in history, God's people are filled permanently with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Peter then preaches this sermon in Acts 2 to explain what was happening. People were bewildered. And they were so struck and so moved by his sermon that we see the impact of that sermon in verse 41, Acts chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Imagine 3,000 people coming to faith in Jesus Christ after your first sermon. I would retire at that point. I mean, that is an awesome moment in church history. Well, what do you do with 3,000, watch this, new believers? What do you do with three new believers? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 gives us that answer. Let's read this passage, and we're going to take it apart. They devoted themselves. These are all these new believers and the apostles and the early church it's just been born, and now they're starting to assemble. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, I want you to understand this as we begin. Two facts about how the early church was structured. This is so important to understand because it's so easy to lay how you experienced church today back 2,000 years ago, and that was not the case. And we need to understand this. In verse 46, we see there, every day they continued to meet together. What does it say? In the what? In the temple courts. 
So first, the apostles would teach the people in the temple courts, the large setting. You have thousands of people that come to Christ, and, and what happens? There's no church building. The church just started. So they meet in the, the temple court. So here's a picture of the temple steps where we know the apostles taught. These are literally, I'm teaching, we're here in the, on, on the steps. These are first century temple, outside the temple steps. Jesus taught here, uh, and teaching goes on today here. Certainly the early church would have met there on the temple steps, but primarily they met inside the temple. And here's a picture of the temple. It's actually a model because the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. But this is a model of what the temple looked like. Now, the temple courts, you have the, the court of the Gentiles, which is the largest part. You have the holy place and then the most holy place. But I know this model, you look at it, and it's like, okay, not too impressive. But you need to understand, this is a 36-acre structure. This is a massive structure. 400,000 people could easily fit in just that plaza area alone. And the church of Jesus Christ, when it was born, they, this is Solomon's colonnade. We're going to hear about that later. They would meet there. They would meet all throughout here. And the apostles are teaching. This is where the church begins to meet in its largest setting. Uh, and then we have in verse 46, it says also, not only in the temple courts, but they broke bread in their homes. Now we have a different setting. The early believers would then open their homes for home communities in a smaller setting. So here's literally a picture of a first century floor and home unearthed uh, in Jerusalem. You're looking literally at where Christians potentially could have been meeting on that floor in a home community setting. And yet, here's a picture of Jerusalem back then, and this is what the homes looked like, where Christians, these 3,000, were gathering in homes. So you just need to go back in time and get a feel for how the church was born, this large setting in the temple courts, this small setting in homes. Now, here's our hero of the faith trait this morning. One of the most heroic things you can do is to open your home as a home community. Some of you have never thought that that would be heroic. You need to think again. And notice the result of what happens when you have this balance of the church growing in big settings and also in small settings in homes. Verse 47 says, they're praising God, enjoying all the favor of all the people. The Lord is adding to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, let me give you a principle just to think about. The church is designed to grow larger and smaller at the same time. That is the only way the church grows. It grows larger in the big setting, the sanctuary. It grows larger, though, in the small setting, in homes. When you have both working together in tandem, the church grows. If you lose one or the other, the church struggles. It's not healthy. Now, here's a mind changer I want to give you. Home communities are not a program of the church. They are the church in the smallest form. You've got to understand that. And the church throughout the United States needs to be wake, wake up to that. Because if all we think is the church is a building, we're in trouble. 
The church is people, and we assemble in large settings, but also in small home communities. If you are, you are leading the church in your home community, if in fact you host a home community, that is the church in its smallest form. That's how it was ordained. That's how it was birthed. And by the way, here's another mind changer for you. The majority of the church around the world meets in home communities. The vast majority. We are the minority. All the churches in China that are structured are literally being torn down right now. I get reports every week. The government is attacking the physical church, but the, the, the church in homes is just spreading like wildfire throughout China. And this is the case not only in China, in much of the world. The United States, for the most part, praise the Lord, we have this religious freedom. There's some persecution, but we are the minority. We are, we're just a few Christians in a world where when we talk about how our, our church is supporting church planters around the world, they are planting churches, house communities all over the world. The church is being birthed. And then we pray that God will give grace for them to assemble in a larger setting. Okay, what I want you to do right now, I want you to talk about this. I want you to, because I think the first question I gave you kind of like looked at it and thought, eh, maybe some of you didn't really open up. I want you to talk about how your life has been changed because someone opened up their home as a home community. And you went into this home community and you didn't realize it or not, but God's presence was there. You were in church so to speak. And God really, he ministered to you through that home community. Some of you have a story there to tell, and I'd like you to tell that right now at your tables. Go for it. Okay, let me bring you back to our hero of the faith trait this morning. And again, it's this. One of the most heroic things you can do is just open up your home as a home community. Now, for the rest of our time together, what I want to do is I just want to unpack that. What does that look like? And I want us to look at this, seven values of a heroic home community. Now, in in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, which we're going to focus in on this morning, what we see here is the DNA of the early church, heroic home communities. It's just spelled out for us. So if you want to be a modern-day hero of the faith, you offer your home to be a home community, and then you let it become characterized by these seven values. You want these seven values to be breathing in and out of your home community experience. You do that, and you will become a modern-day hero of the faith, just like the early believers were as well. Now, let me give you a couple introductory thoughts about this before we jump in. First, all heroic home communities will be different in the way they, that they express these seven values. Now, why? Uh, because you are unique. And every person in your home community is also very unique. No two home communities are alike. They're all unique. None are the same. But all home communities that become heroic will always incorporate these seven same values that make them heroic, they will just incorporate them in their own unique way. So you're unique. And you're going you're gonna to facilitate that home community in the way the Holy Spirit leads you. And that's how it was 
in the first century around all these homes in Jerusalem. You got 3,000 believers meeting in homes, also at the temple courts, but then they'd go into the homes, and, and everyone's leading these in their own unique way, but these seven values permeate these groups, and this is what we want to achieve. Now, if you are currently facilitating a home community right now, I want you to ask yourself as we go along, are you incorporating these seven values? Are you giving time within your home community for these seven values to actually be expressed and experienced and exchanged one to another? And the other question is this. If you're not currently facilitating a home community, ask yourself, is God calling you to do this? Is God calling you to offer your home and actually take, take a step of faith? It's kind of scary to actually say, okay, I will become a home community facilitator and I'm going to offer my home in ministry to the Lord. Is God speaking to you right now about that? Has he brought you here? Are you watching on videos? The Lord's speaking to you. His Holy Spirit saying, rise up and be a hero of the faith. In this way that the church throughout the world is expanding and growing. This is the DNA of God's vibrant church. Is yeah, you meet together on Sunday morning in the main sanctuary, but then in homes. That's so critical. Okay, so first value, to be a heroic home community. Oh, this one you gotta love. I love this one. Heroic home communities value food. Do I get an amen there? There is nothing like walking into a home and smelling and seeing like just great, awesome food. You know what I mean? Food says, you're welcome here. Food says, I've thought about you. Food says, you are important. Food says, hey, let's enjoy a fun time together. I mean, when I walk into a home community, if I were to see this on the counter, oh! I'm like, yeah, baby, the Holy Spirit is here. Now, you may be going, you know, I'm not the, quite the pizza guy, Mark, but maybe you would like this. Oh, Mexican-American. Now, I see you salivating right now. See, this is biblical. And then, okay, maybe you're this kind of person. This is like, I'm a dessert kind of guy, you know? You walk into a home, you see that, you say, the Lord's presence is here. This place is anointed. You see, it says, verse 42, they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Now, that certainly entailed communion, but not just communion, not only communion. Because you see also in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and joined favor of all the people. Do you see how eating together is linked with glad and sincere hearts. Do you see that? Eating together is linked with enjoyment and the favor of all the people. I mean, let's face it. Some of you right now, you're thinking about lunch. You're not even listening to me. I mean, come on, be honest. Food brings gladness. It breaks down barriers. You're like, wrap it up, Mark. I need to get out of here. If you provide good food, everyone is going to love it and you will reach, watch this, heroic status, your home community. If food isn't your thing, cater it if you have the money. Have people rotate. 
one of the first things you do is brainstorm with your group as you begin to meet together, how can your group feature really good food? And you come up with a plan. Believe me, everyone's going to join in on that conversation. Everyone else is going to be quiet when you ask them other questions, but on food, everyone's like, ah, ah, ah. Everyone's got an opinion. You know, am I right or am I right or am I right? Yes. So heroic home communities value food. It's in the Bible. It just is. It's biblical, you know? Number two, second value of a heroic home community. Heroic home communities value fellowship. So after a long day at work, uh, there's nothing like seeing Christian friends who can cheer you up. I mean, how much cheer, how much encouragement, how much love do you get at work? <laughs> do you get your boss just loving on you? You're the greatest. Everyone's smiling. No, you get torn up, beat up, criticized. It's tough sometimes. It is. This world is just doggy dog. And guess what? You're just, you can't wait to get to your home community. Man, it's true. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves. They were so excited about these home communities. They're absolutely devoted. It says, to the fellowship. Fellowship, that's koinonia. That's togetherness. There's nothing like Christian togetherness. Encouragement, love. Verse 44. All the believers were together. Uh, together. Again, fellowship. They had everything in common. I mean, this is beautiful. Verse 46 says there, every day they continue to meet together. There it is again, fellowship in their homes. They're eating and with glad and sincere hearts. And just you see this beautiful value of community in fellowship. So you want to give time at the beginning of your home community for everyone to just naturally connect. Hey, they just come in from a, a long day. Most of our home communities are in the evening. And just give some time for people to naturally connect and just kind of, you know, ah, exhale. And I always say our home community starts at 6.45 p.m. for fellowship. And then the meeting kind of officially begins at 7 p.m. And I say that, I'm amazed at how always people are there at 6.45. Because they value that 15 minutes to connect where there's no agenda and it's just being with one another. I typically always offer at the beginning of every meeting in a home community a fun discussion question, an icebreaker that kind of just gets everyone to laugh and, and enjoy and, and you learn something new about someone sharing that's ne not necessarily what you're studying, but it's just fun. It's inviting. It encourages fellowship, connection, learning something new. That just makes for a great home community. It's a value in the early church home communities, this whole thing of fellowship. Let me give you a third trait or value of a hero home community. How are you doing? If you're leading one, are you kind of evaluating your home community? And the other thing is, as we're going through this, you can do this. You can do this. You can become a home community facilitator. Number three, heroic home communities, they value praise. Verse 47, praising God, it says. There is power when God's people come together in praise and declare the praises of God. So it's always an awesome thing to incorporate somewhere in your time together, hey, what are we thankful for right now? 
What do we praise God for right now? And give your home community an opportunity for people to just share and declare their thanks to God, their praise of God. And that is just so edifying to the whole group. Psalm 100, verse 4. Uh, you see that on your notes? If you see it, can you say amen? Okay, let's read it out loud together. Can we do it? Starting with enter. Here we go. Ready? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You see how praise and thanks are offered in the same verse. And we want to offer praise and thanks, an opportunity to express praise and thanks in every good, healthy home community. Are you giving people that opportunity? You see, some home communities are so out of balance. And you sit there and you listen to some guy teach for 45 minutes. I'll just be honest with you. It's not the best uh, mix for a home community. Unless, you know, you guys are really good with meeting for an hour and a half and you got the other time to be able to incorporate all these values. If you want a dynamic, exciting home community experience, these seven things are really, really important. They really are. So you just got to kind of evaluate. Number four, fourth value. Uh, Heroic home communities value God's word. Now, it's great to have food. You got to have food. (laughs) Good food. You got to have fellowship. You got to have praise and thanksgiving to God. But if your home community is to become heroic, it must feature God's word as the main course. Now, I may have just sounded like, Mark, you just kind of discounted the Bible a second ago. No, I didn't. I'm just saying you need to offer it in proportion to the other values. Heroic home communities must highlight the word of God. You say, Mark, I'm not a trained pastor like you. That's great. You don't need to be. Actually, watch this. It is better that you are not to become a heroic home community. And I'll explain why. I'm not just blowing smoke there. You look at verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, most likely, the apostles were not teaching the scriptures in all the homes, That would have been impossible. The homes were small. They taught in the large settings, as is clearly stated here, in the temple courts. And then those heroic believers who opened their homes discussed what the apostles taught with those who came into their homes, the 3,000. Now, the word devoted there is an interesting word in the Greek. It carries the idea of application or obedience to God's word. So here's the principle. Heroic home communities are not led by a teacher of the Bible, but by a facilitator of the Bible. And let me explain that. A facilitator of the Bible, watch this, is a good discussion leader. That's what you need in a home community. A heroic facilitator of the Bible keeps the group focusing on one key question as you're opening the Bible. What is the Bible saying, and how can we live this out? If you, as a, and anyone can do that, what is this scripture saying, and how can we apply it to our lives? If you keep the focus on that as a home communicator, home community leader, man, you're going to have an exciting home community. But you start trying to teach, and you're not a teacher, everyone, no one's going to show up next week. And actually, home communities are not the place to teach, so to speak. 
They're the time to facilitate and get people discovering what the Bible says and how to live it out. Now, let me share with you, again, the critical focus of what God's word in our experience as disciples should uh, be like. Jesus uh, gave the greatest strategy statement for the growth of the Christian church or any organization. The church is really an organism. It's not an organization. But the greatest vision statement ever given in the history of the world is Acts 28, 19 to 20. This is the greatest statement ever penned in terms of just following this, and it has led to the greatest movement on planet Earth. The church of Jesus Christ, which you're a part of, is the greatest movement on the planet. On the planet, bar none. Nothing compares to the church of Jesus Christ. You just never hear that from our Western media. But as a Christian, you should be proud to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. It is the most powerful force on earth. It's amazing what God is doing all over the world. And it started with Jesus Christ saying, this is how the church goes and grows and expands. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, this is the Great Commission, one of the Great Commissions. There are actually five of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then also in the book of Acts, five versions. But this is Matthew's version. He said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, the key <clears throat> phrase here is, go make disciples. That's the main command. And then how you do it is you baptize people, believers, and then you teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. I want you to take your pen. I want you to underline teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is so important for your Christian growth and for your home community. So let me give you the principle and then I'll unpack it. The principle is this, Jesus commanded obedience-based discipleship, not information-based discipleship. This is where I have to say this in love, the church of the United States is missing it. We are about information, not obedience. Jesus never taught that. You need information, we need to understand what God, God's word is saying but we need to know what it's saying so we can obey it. You see what Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything. He did not say, teach them to know. He said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything in the word of God, we're to obey it. We're to live it out. And if you're part of a home community and the goal is, how can I live this out in my life? Let me tell you, that home community is going to come on fire. So Three Crosses provides for you so many tools to help you facilitate a heroic obedience-based discipleship home community. All of our sermon series, they're obedience-based. You take the notes, whether it's Danny preaching from this home community series, and you're going to learn how to apply what you just heard taught. Uh, I have, you know, here in followers, you are in a obedience-based discipleship experience. Uh, my teaching is 100% obedience-based discipleship. This is philosophically, theologically, what I believe the purpose of the Bible is. God has given us scripture to teach us, to equip us, to live out our faith. It's not to just be entertained and understand knowledge, uh, although we need to teach the Bible in context, but ultimately it's about obeying the truth. 
So you've got 15 uh, series here. I put them in notebooks. And what's the point? I'm, the word of God is given so we can live it out. Every sermon I teach is about helping you obey the Bible, to know it, but then obey it. I'm giving you seven points right now on how to literally live out an effective home community. That's the way the Bible should be taught. Now, different teachers come out in different ways, but powerful teaching is obedience-based discipleship in its core. Okay, now we can train you in this, and actually, I'm going to train you right now. Uh, the most powerful method around the world, and when I travel the world, and, and, and our church, God is using three crosses to literally empower church planners around the world to plant thousands, thousands of, of churches. And at the core of all these house churches is always obedience-based discipleship. Always. And, and, and the majority of them, they just meet. These are simple people. And they meet in homes, and yet the Holy Spirit is so alive there. And people are being transformed. You want to know why? Because they're saying to themselves, what is the word of God saying, and how can I live it out? I mean, how can I really live it out? And, and so uh, we teach them uh, the discovery Bible study method. And I'm going to train you on it right now. Um, if you want to know how to facilitate an engaging, absolutely exciting, thrilling, life-changing, obedience-based discipleship study anytime, you, all you need to know is this. You just read a passage of Scripture anywhere, and then you ask four questions, and that group will come alive. Seriously. You doubt me? Then this, this week, if your home community, say we're not going to do uh, what we've normally done. We're just going to open the Bible and where any passage you want does not matter. And you ask four questions of that group, and you're going to see God's Spirit come alive, and people will come in, and it's a whole new dimension of experience. Here's the first question you ask. What is this saying about God? You're going to get people to start thinking theologically. What is this saying about God, this passage? What does it say about God? Let them talk about that for five minutes. Then what is this saying about people, the nature of man, women? They're going to start, yeah, this says this about, you know, yeah, yeah, we don't love like we should. We're actually envious. And you're going to get, this is saying, you know, people are, whoa. Third thing, what is this saying I need to obey? What do I need to obey from this scripture? What do I need to apply right now? What do I need to obey with my wife, my husband, my kids, at work, my neighbors? And then the last is, who, who is one person I can share this with or live this out toward? And then you come back the next week. You say, well, how'd it go? You lived it out, right? You shared it with someone? Let's tell those stories. And this is how the church around the world is actually exploding. They're learning to not just hear God's word, but actually obey it, apply it. Then they come back and they encourage each other and they see miracles happening because these are a pure Muslim areas. And they're bringing God's word into a Muslim community or a Buddhist total community who've never heard the word of God. And they're actually living it out as God's disciples. And, and I'm telling you, thousands and thousands of people are turning to Jesus Christ because of the power of God's word and because we are living out Acts chapter 2, the values of it. Does that make sense? Amen? So the point here is just that heroic home communities value living out God's word together. And watch this, it's scary, and literally living it out that week. 
Here's our problem. We come, and I just believe our problem is information overload. We get so much information during the week, and then you come and you hear Mark preach, and you go, oh, that was great. I really liked him today. You go home, you don't live anything out. Am I right or am I right? It's, it's, it's kind of a, a sad commentary on, on the state of our hearts. And we just kind of have to repent of that. Because God has wired us to be obedient. And it's as we are obedient. And it's scary to be obedient. It's scary to like hear about tithing and actually start to tithe. I mean, are you tithing? I'm just throwing that out as one thing. 10% of your income. Is it just right off the top given to the Lord? Tracy and I far exceed that. I'm not saying that pat on the back. I'm just saying the Lord is continuing to teach us about giving right off the top. And sometimes it's scary, but this is where the Holy Spirit comes alive in your life, and the church is the church. We're growing, and we're challenging ourselves, and we're challenging one another to obedience-based following Jesus Christ. You've heard about going on a mission trip. When are you going to go? How long is it going to take? I'm just kind of joking, but I mean, we're not getting any younger. Are you going to go? Have you adopted one of the 800 pastors that we support at our church? I mean, are you supporting one of them? I'm just throwing this stuff out. What is the Holy Spirit saying you are to do? Not just learn, but actually live it out. And I know I'm kind of just preaching right now, aren't I? But you know, I get kind of excited about this. And please understand, I'm, I'm with you, man. I hear sermons all the time, and I'm like, okay, what did I do with that? Sometimes I just go, Lord, I went home and... And I, I'm not applying that. What's wrong? And so it, it's, we're all in this together, but I'm telling you, in a home community, you're encouraged and you're inspired and you're challenged. Okay. So let me give you a fifth value. Home communities, uh, heroic home communities, they value prayer. Prayer, verse 42. It says right there, they devoted themselves, what? And it says, and to prayer at the end of the verse. Wow. You want to have a, Heroic home community, just value prayer. Now, let me give you two things related to prayer. Give your home community time to share prayer requests and encourage everyone to write down the prayer requests. Do that. Don't rush. Make sure you have time to give those prayer requests. And then give your group time to pray for each other. It's going to take on different forms. I'm not saying you need to take 10 minutes for that. Maybe it's a few minutes. But make sure someone, at least one person, if not multiple people, are praying for those things that were just mentioned and then encourage everyone to pray during the week for those areas. Dynamic prayer is just, it's part of a, an exciting home community. Is it a value? Number six, heroic home communities value organic ministry. Now, Organic ministry is ministry that just kind of naturally arises within the group because needs in the group become known. And people are just hearing about these. And we see this in verse 44 and 45. It says, all the believers were together and, and had everything in common. Then it says this, they sold property. This, this is in the context of homes and possessions and gave to anyone who had the need. So in these early church, you know, settings, some needs arose with certain people in certain, you know, homes 
that led naturally to some people being moved in their heart to sell some property and possessions to meet those particular needs. This is organic ministry. That means this is, this is just organic care. It's natural love being expressed that arose from just needs that these groups saw in one another. I, I've seen this happen so much in home communities. Rides. Oh, you need a ride? I can give you a ride. Auto repair. Oh my, your car's that much of a lemon? I can help you. I'm a mechanic, you know. I, I've seen people just, you know, hey, let me give you some financial advice. I work for Schwab, and, and this is what I do. So let's meet. Let's get together for coffee. And, you know, I just kind of feel for you, and I, I'd love to just, we see that happening. You know, uh, plumbing problems. I've seen that. I've seen every issue imaginable. When people just bring up for prayer, you know, a certain area, and God, you know, in his beautiful way of orchestrating, put someone in there to meet your need. And so if you're going without needs being met, I mean, man, being in a home community and seeing what God will do around God's people, God's people are amazing. They just often don't have the context to actually express care. But in a smaller setting, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing. This, please understand, this is not mandated by the apostles. You need to sell, that's communism. You know, you got to sell your property and give. Everyone needs to be equal. No, no, no. That's not what's happening. This is just like people being led by the Spirit of God. I want to help this brother or sister out, and someone just blesses you, and it's organic, you know, ministry that takes place. Number seven, seventh value of all heroic home communities. Heroic home communities value consistency. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking the bread, into prayer. They're devoted. Look at verse 46. Uh, Every day they continue to meet together. Whoa! In the temple courts and in their homes. That's every day? At the beginning, yes. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's the principle. Heroic home communities are consistently offered. That doesn't mean daily. But weekly, sure. Or at some sort of a consistent offering. In other words, a heroic home community isn't a program. It's a way that you do life together with other believers. It just becomes part of your life. Yeah, I go to three crosses you know, and I go to the, yeah, the big church setting on Sundays, you know, at whatever service. But then, you know, I'm also in, in church, you know, at, at the Barry's house every Wednesday or whatever it is. You know, that's, that's this idea of consistently being engaged. Your home community becomes the church in its smallest form. And I do. I think about the Berries, I think about the Westerns, and, and there are others of you here as well. But I don't know how many years you guys have offered your home. It's how many years? What is it? 30 years. Steve, what, how many years have you guys been going? 30 years. These are like something going on here with you two. But 30 years. You know, this is a way of doing life. This is what we're trying to get at, you know. And I just wonder, you know, as I think about you, and I know there's others of you that lead home communities, I wonder the times that certain members in your home community They had just such a horrific experience, either in their family, their marriage, at work, and they just couldn't wait for that day to be in their home community. 
They're like, this is my haven of rest. These are my people. They had that place to go to. And the reason they had that place is because you offered it consistently. You were consistent. Wow. You're modern day heroes of the faith. And any of you who are leading these, you're modern day heroes of the faith. Just as these early church believers were heroes of the faith then, by opening their humble homes, you're doing the same today. So these are the seven values. And again, every home community is going to share them differently because you are different. And, and yet the seven will be there in some form, shape, or another. You're going to value food, fellowship, praise of God, God's word, and especially obeying it, prayer, organic ministry, and consistency. Okay, I'd like you to talk about this at your tables right now. Of the seven values of a heroic home community, which one to you is just like, which one just seems like super important? I mean, they all are, but is there something that just really stuck out to you like, man, this, this is so important for a home community to make sure they feature this. Talk about it. Go for it. Okay, let me uh, bring us back to our hero of the faith trait this morning. Here it is. One of the most heroic things you can do is to open up your home as a home community. So I wonder if God has brought you here to just kind of give you a vision for this. I'm sure you probably came here today thinking, boy, I never thought of that as a hero of the faith trait, but it really is. Just opening your humble home and saying, Lord, I'm willing to be a facilitator you can do this. You really can. And the Lord may be speaking to you about that. You're thinking, well, and you're giving all these excuses right now to the Lord. But I'm just saying, is God calling you to rise up and be a hero of the faith? This is what the Lord does today. Now, we really didn't talk about the benefits that come to you in your home when you do this, but I want to mention these. Because... Your home can become a place of incredible blessing. And you can witness out of your home, week in and week out, some things that, that will just bring your whole experience to a dimension that you never imagined. This is what God wants to happen out of your home. Some of you look at what God, what's happening in your home, you're going, man, yeah, our home is used for X, Y, Z. But does God want it to be used for A, B, C? This, this is what happens. The benefits that come to you in your home, and your kids see this. Your neighbors see this. Number one, miracles happen before your very eyes. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I could tell you right now, these home community leaders could come up here and they could tell you miracle after miracle after miracle that has happened in their home community over the years. God shows up and miracles happen in these home communities. Ministry will happen before your very eyes. Verses 45 and 6, we read this. Properties being sold. Possessions are being sold. In other words, money is being exchanged, helping others. They, 
I mean, what an amazing organic ministry is just happening before your very eyes. You're seeing, I just opened up my home. I'm just facilitating with these seven things, and the Holy Spirit is just raising up people, and they're ministering one to another, and it's all happening out of your home, and someone's life has been changed forever because you open up their, your home, and they're going to have a memory of your home. And your kids are going to see this. And families and your, your neighbors are what? what's going on over there? They got some great food in there. And they're hearing about what God's doing. This is what happened all throughout Jerusalem. This is why the church spread so rapidly in Jerusalem. Not because of what was happening at the temple courts. All sorts of religious stuff happened there. Nothing like this had ever happened in homes. And nothing like it today. Every week, 3,500 home churches are born throughout the world. Jesus Christ is building his church. When these seven values are in homes, this is where the church is growing, in homes, not in a building. A building is not the church. Even a home is not. It's God's people in that home experiencing these seven values. Man, it's exciting. And then salvation happens before your very eyes. Verse 47. Those who accepted his message, or it says, uh, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. People are being saved in these homes. Wouldn't it be amazing in your home for the, that to be the place where someone comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, their entire eternal existence is altered. And then like we have many times in our home, we baptize people on our hot tub. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Go for it. Wouldn't that be great? You have a hot tub, you have a swimming tub. Or swimming tub, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to just have a baptismal service there of people that have come to know Christ as Savior and Lord because you just trusted them. You can have a ministry there. So let me tell you my first memory of a home community. I didn't know what they were back then. I was just a kid. But I saw all these people coming into our house as a kid, mom and dad. I grew up in San Ramon before I went to the ranch. And all these people would come in and, and we'd be kind of, what's happening? They're reading the Bible and just praying. So they prayed and they, they, they brought on a challenge because it's like, we're, we're called to reach people for Christ. So this was their act of obedience. Let's pray for the least likely person that would ever come to our Bible study, our home community, on the block. And they prayed for a guy named Bob, the most worldly guy they could think of. This guy will never come in. He did. Long story. He not only came in, he came to Christ. His whole life was changed. His whole family was changed. This guy became the guy who eventually we became dear friends. Some of you know my Corvette story. When I was just 13 years old, he, uh, he said, Mark, how would you like a Corvette? And it was a Corvette that needed a lot of repair. And I've told that story not only at our church in the context of discipleship especially, as I talk about how it was pulled out of the weeds and that was sin. And then, you know, over the years, it took me five years to remodel this into showroom condition. And that's what God does to us. I've taken that story of the Corvette and I've told it all over the world. I've been to 45 countries now and I'm going to continue to expand. I'd love to get to every country on planet Earth. Uh, that's like a bucket list, but I don't know if the Lord will allow that. But I've told, then this is me in, in, in uh, China or with Chinese pastors, I'm telling them the story of Bob. I'm telling them the story of that Corvette. There are people I've told that story to, they say, Mark, can I please have a picture of that Corvette? I've given pictures of that Corvette because of what it, 
it represents to people hope of what Christ can do in their life when they're in shambles and he can recreate them to this beautiful masterpiece. And you know where it all started? A home community. It started in a Bible study that I witnessed as a kid. And, that, and, and this is the point I'm trying to, to bring out right now. If you're on the edge, there, it's impossible for us to comprehend the impact of a home community in the kingdom of God and the lives of people that will come into your, your, through your door. You can't even begin. This is just one story. What are the stories that God wants to write through your home? What are the stories God wants to do through you? Wow. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the home communities that have impacted our lives. I think we could all praise you and thank you for those moments that we've experienced. Lord, are you wanting us to open up our own homes for this? Are you speaking to us about getting trained and actually being one of these facilitators? Are you wanting us to sharpen our own existing home communities right now with some of these values that your word brings out? Do we need to maybe step into a home community? We've been hearing about them, but we're just kind of not, we haven't done that. And we need to be in one. Lord, move us where you want us to move. This is, without question, a, a trait of heroes of the faith. I pray, Lord, that you would bring it deeper into the fabric of our church and anyone who's listening right now to this message, their church, their life, their home. Would you take a moment and just talk to God about what is he asking you? What is the Holy Spirit saying for you to do in light of this? Would you just talk to God about that?